I'm Amy Jo Martin. Welcome to the Why Not Now show. You know that thing you've been thinking about doing? Yeah, that one. Why not now? Have you ever actually taken the time to ask yourself, what's stopping me? Let's talk it through. This is your chance to give that idea the attention it deserves and take action. Each episode, I have a chat with a fascinating person from entrepreneurs to athletes, celebrities, my parents, rocket scientists, and all walks of life. We talk through a critical time when they've asked themselves, why not now? We dissect that day or even that moment, step by step. This is the time of year when we talk a lot about gratitude and giving. What I've realized after more than 100 hours of interviewing some of the most motivating and fascinating people is that most of these Why Not Now guests use gratitude and giving as a strategy in both their business and their personal lives. And it's not that they intentionally set out to use gratitude and giving as a strategy, and they haven't declared this to me per se. They just seem to do it, and it happens to be a part of how they operate through life. My personal outlook on gratitude and giving has evolved over time, and I try to practice more micro moments of daily gratitude and giving versus kind of binging on gratitude during Thanksgiving. And I choose to do this not because I think it's the right thing to do or because I should do it, but... I do it because it literally makes me feel better and it gives me clarity. It elevates my current perspective in that very moment. As we get so focused on what's right in front of us, we can often lose sight of that bigger picture. And even a quick moment of gratitude can allow us to zoom out and see the grand scheme so much more clearly. It's like an instant calibration for our perspective. In this episode, I've pulled together a few snackable sound bites of people who offer a unique point of view on gratitude and giving. Additionally, I also interview my mom for the first time on the podcast. First off, we have Adam Grant. He's an organizational psychologist, New York Times bestselling author of many of my favorite books, and he's the highest rated professor at Wharton. Oftentimes we think of giving back as a legacy after we've achieved a certain level of success or expertise, but Adam talks through a new, more progressive way to look at giving back. Before we get started, I want to tell you about my partners at Design Pickle. You know when you're in a pickle because you need a design, but you don't have the time or maybe even the skill to do it yourself. Many of us have been there. Design Pickle has been a lifesaver for me. Here's how they're set up. You pay a flat rate monthly fee of $370, and you're given a dedicated designer for all of your needs. You heard that right. Unlimited graphic designs, unlimited requests, and the first 14 days are risk-free. 
you get a full refund if you cancel in the first two weeks. Why not now listeners like yourself get 30% off their first month, which means you only pay $259 for your first month at Design Pickle. You can go to designpickle.com forward slash why not now to redeem the offer. For me, the process has been painless and ego-free. In fact, many of the posts you're seeing on my social media channels were created by my buddies at Design Pickle, specifically Jacob at Design Pickle. That's what's cool is that you get a dedicated designer. I'm on a first name basis with my designer. A mentor once said to me, just because you can doesn't always mean you should. Do what you're uniquely qualified to do. Design Pickle helps me do just that. So your first month is only $259. Go to designpickle.com forward slash why not now to redeem the offer. I've heard you talk a little bit about uh, your philosophy on, on people waiting to have a job, build up enough money or time or whatever, and then give back and um, have their legacy. And I can't remember who you were being interviewed by, but I think it was Daniel Pink. There was something about along lines of, well, why wait to give back, right? Why can't we be doing this? You don't have to accomplish something until it's time to then say, okay, now I'm really going to live and really going to have. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? I can. <laughs> Good. Yes, I think I can. <laughs> and I may be getting a little mixed up here, but I just, it resonated with me in terms of a lot about time and I think about why not now and and there was some sort of element in alignment with time there. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, I where it really started was I had a lot of students coming into office hours and saying, you know, I'm I'm trying to figure out what to do with my career, and you know, my goal is to try to build up as much wealth as possible so I can start giving back. And okay, you know, there are people like Bill Gates who have done an amazing job with that, but I was struck that most of the successful people that I knew. Um, who were the ones that I, you know, not only knew but admired, they they had really thought about it the opposite way. They said, you know, look, you know, philanthropy is not the only way to give. And I want to be, you know, giving more than I take and contributing from day one. And so they looked they looked for ways to start helping, you know, even before they had accumulated a lot of status and expertise. Um, is there a bit of knowledge I can share? Can I give people feedback? Can I make introductions? Um, you know, can I um, can I even do some reverse mentoring and you know help people who are more senior than me, you know, learn from my point of view? And that focus turned out to be a really powerful way to build relationships and social capital. Um, it also, you know, it's it's actually a really meaningful way to learn because when you're solving other people's problems, you pick up knowledge and skills that you can apply to your own problems. And it's also just, it's, it's an incredibly motivating way to live your life to say, look, what I do doesn't just matter for me. It has significance to, the, to a lot of other people too. And so, you know, there's this sort of social capital, there's this knowledge gain, there's, there's motivation that comes from helping. And of course, the irony is if you do it just to succeed, it doesn't work. <laughs> but knowing that it's not always self-sacrificing to care about others uh, I, I thought was was pretty exciting. And to say, look, I don't have to choose between being successful and being generous. You can try to do both at the same time. Um, I found myself wishing more people would think that way. And uh, lo and behold, I started studying it. If you want to hear the entire interview with Adam Grant, you can find episode 22 on iTunes or go to amyjomartin.com forward slash why not now Adam Grant to stream it from my website.
So next up, we have Matt Mullenweg. He's the founder and CEO of Automatic, which is the parent company of WordPress. 28% of the internet is powered by WordPress. Not a big deal, right? Matt is one of my favorite people to learn from. In this clip, he talks about how gratitude for everything from small to big things can be a strategy for letting go. The book that's probably had one of the biggest impacts on me is um, this book by Marie Kondo called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. Uh-huh. Oh, great. Have you read this one? No, I haven't, but I, I think I need to. I've heard about it a few times now. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. It is a book about tidying up. Like It is literally like how to fold your shirts and how to do these things. Um, but one of these concepts in it that's really good is, uh, you know, part of tying up is like we often accumulate too much stuff. Yet there's so much guilt when you get rid of stuff. And by the way, the book says this so much better. So check out the book. One of the things she does, and it's very like Japanese, very Shinto, is like the thing you're going to get rid of, well, two things. One, you go through all your stuff and you hold it in your hand and you feel like, does it spark joy? And apparently the Japanese word for this is extra cool. That actually encompasses a lot more meaning. But like, is this something that like makes me happy when I see it? And like, I feel like it's useful or has a good memory associated with something like that. And if not, meaning that it's something you're going to get, ri- get rid of or donate, you, you thank it for its service. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, so I love this. <laughs> just mentally or if no one's in the room, you can say it out loud. Or maybe if someone is in the room, you can say, hey, you know, uh, book or T-shirt or whatever. Like, thank you for being there for me or for you know, helping me understand that this size doesn't fit me or whatever it might be. <laughs> that yellow is a terrible color on me. Or maybe it's something sentimental. Like, hey, thank you so much for providing my mom so much joy for many, many, many years. And that's the part that apparently Americans skip the most, that thinking. But it's such a cool psychological hack because essentially you're freeing your mind of the guilt of getting rid of things. Because all of us, you know, Anytime that I think when you buy something, you're you're kind of saying like, all right, you and me, this object, we're we're going in it. Like yeah. we're going to have a great long term relationship. <laughs> we're going to have lots of fun together, and I'm going to wear you all the time, or I'm going to, you know, use you to slice potatoes like every day. And then like as the years pass, sometimes those expectations don't line up with the reality, but you still feel that that guilt of getting rid of it because you know you worked hard for the paycheck to be able to afford that or your parents couldn't afford things like this or whatever it is sure um, it's 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 very psychologically difficult too so that thinking is like actually an amazing trick and it, we just talked about stuff for a few minutes but you can apply that to everything in your life whether it's relationships whether it's clients whether it's features like you that act of letting go i feel like sometimes you have to say that little thank you even if just to yourself, to be able to let go of things that you might be holding on to that are holding you back. It's so smart and so true. Absolutely. As I was listening to you and I'm visualizing, you know, shirts and pens and who knows what. And then I started to go to, you know, clients or, you know, thanking things for for their service, per se, is a way of for sure being able to be okay with detaching. And and I love that. I'm definitely going to check out the book. If you'd like to listen to the full interview with Matt, head to iTunes episode 37 or go to amyjomartin.com forward slash why not now Matt Mullenweg. And you can stream it from my website there. 
And next we have Amy Purdy. She's a Paralympian snowboard champion. Oprah calls her a hero. And at age 19, she was given a 2% chance to live after being diagnosed with meningitis. She's gone on to defy all the odds. And in this clip, she talks about a recent threat to her health once again and how she uses gratitude as a strategy. It was the scariest situation I've ever been in uh, other than when I was in it years ago when I lost my legs and my kidney, my kidneys. And so, um, so I'm trying to think, so I, I hope I didn't get too far off your question. No, no, no. But I wanted to just kind of give the reality of how intense of a moment that was for me. So basically what ended up happening is I survived that week. My arms, the swelling started to go down. Uh, my kidney uh, was actually fine. Um, it took about another month or two for us to confirm that my kidney was going to be okay. And so that next month I was on bed rest. Everybody else was training for the next Paralympic Games. You know, everybody was competing and the season was starting and I wasn't really even allowed to get out of bed for that next arm uh, for that next month. I couldn't use my arms just to pick up a glass of water was too heavy because the muscle cells had disintegrated in my arms. And um, the challenge is those muscle cells, once they do that, they won't come back. They're kind of like nerve cells. But what can happen, and this is what I focused on at the time, is what can happen is you can work on what you have and build what you have, and that can take over what you've lost. And for me, it just kind of plays back to everything else in my life. It's always about just use what you have. Use what you have to your fullest capacity and, you know, don't focus on what you've lost. And that's how I've lived my whole life. Don't focus on your legs. Don't focus on your kidneys. Focus on what you have. And and so now I, I've, I, I had limited range of motion in my arms, but I kept focusing on the fact that okay, if I can just strengthen slowly what I have left, then everything's going to be okay. Um, I started meditating at that time as well because I could really let my fears get the best of me and think, you know, what if I can never use my arms again? What if they don't get better? Now all of a sudden I'm looking at not having legs or arms that function proper. But I really tried my hardest to just not get ahead of myself and to just take it day by day, like I did when I lost my legs, you just have to take it day by day and see what happens. Uh, most of the time, our worst fears never come true anyways. And I, I reminded myself at that time, too, that everything that has happened in my life that appeared to be negative actually turned into something positive. And luckily, I did have my experience of losing my legs, losing my kidneys, almost losing my life. That was such a worst case scenario for me that went on or I went on to do more amazing things with my life than I ever could have imagined at that time. Maybe there's a lesson I need to learn here. Maybe there's something that's actually, maybe I'm going to pull out of this and be stronger. I really try to focus on the possibilities through this. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. We tackle the most taboo topics on the Why Not Now show. Oftentimes, you're hearing guests share things they've never shared before. In the spirit of things we don't typically talk about, you should know that the Why Not Now show is supported by Poopery. 
Yep, the original before-you-go toilet spray. It's magic. My friends at Poopery have literally taken the smell out of you-know-what. This pure blend of essential oils stops bathroom odor before it begins. Visit Poopery.com. And why not now, listeners, get 20% off with code why not now? That's all one word. Also, you can now get Poopery at Bed Bath & Beyond. And you can hear the entire interview with Amy Purdy on iTunes, episode 36, or go to amyjomartin.com forward slash why not now Amy Purdy to stream it from my website. And last but not least, I have a very special guest on the show. My mom. She's been working up her courage to come on the show, and I'm excited to share. Ruth Ann Jensen is an entrepreneur who lives in the Black Hills of South Dakota. She's the co-founder of Copper Canyon Lodge, a wedding venue and lodging business, and she shares what it was like to start her first company in her 50s. She's one of my favorite people on the planet, and without further ado, here's my mom. Mom, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on. How are you? I'm good, Amy. Are you a little nervous? Yes. But just butterflies, right? No pterodactyls? Correct. We always talk about that. Yes. Just some butterflies. You're. This is fun. We're going to have fun. So you've heard a lot of these. You're my biggest fan and loyal listener, so you know how it goes. Can you share a time when you had to ask yourself, why not now? There are a few instances in my life when I look back and actually all with all three of them, I do not remember asking myself why not now, but they truly were why not now moments. So what's the first one? When I was 32 years old, I decided I was going to go back to college. We were living in Sheridan, Wyoming, and they had a wonderful community college there that had a dental assisting program. And I had worked in dental offices prior to that and really enjoyed the field. And I just thought, I'm going to go for it and take the opportunity of being in a town that had this college. And I worked while I went to school. I worked at a dental office. And our kids were fourth grade and sixth grade, I believe. And sometimes they helped me prep for tests <laughs> with my memorizing. I remember that, all those big words and your biology classes. So when you decided to go back at age 32, which is really cool, Mom, that's, that's pretty noble, how did you make that decision? I don't remember really, but did you just decide one day? Had it been kind of a brewing idea? Do you remember having conversations with Dad about it? Actually, I don't think I took a long time to make the decision. And your dad was so busy with work. I think he was just like, whatever you want to do, go for it. <laughs> and I had the support of some good friends and family. And I just decided to jump into it. And you just, what was the very first thing you did? I was so excited when I went to register because I went to the college and had to fill out quite a bit of paperwork, which was fine. 
And then I had to get my transcripts from high school, (laughs) which was really a walk down memory lane. And then I got all signed up for the classes and was really excited to start. And once you sign up, you're kind of, that's like once burning you, your boats, right? Yes, it is. And especially after you write that check for the tuition. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember going to your graduation. And that's that's really cool to get to attend your mom's graduation, I think. Um, so what's your second why not now? My second why not now was I decided that I was going to learn how to team sort which involves horses and cattle. But you're not mean to the cattle, right? No, 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 no. Right. We you just, just have to tell everyone because they may not know what it is. No, we are not we mean the to the cattle and we don't make them fall down or we don't rope them or do anything like that. I know how you are about rodeos. <laughs> you just, I know, I'm not a big rodeo person. Um, you just organize them, right? <laughs> like herd them, kind of. You have to... Get them out of their whole herd. They are all numbered, zero to nine. And your announcer will read off a number, and you have to go into the whole crowd of them and find that number and get him to come out with all the others not following him. And you do have a partner at the gate to help you. And this is on the horse. This is on the horse. This is... Yeah. And wow. you have 90 seconds. So this is a full on. I need to come and watch you do this sometime. So when you decided to do it, was it daunting? What was that why not now moment like? How did you make the decision? I just decided that I had a great horse for it. And I had heard how much fun it was. And I thought, I am going to go. I am going to get my horse and my trailer and I am going to go. And try it. <laughs> and you just decided one day. Yes. You're a good why notter. I wonder if that's where I, I get my why not now genes from. Every once in a while, I'll have this little burst of energy on what's the worst ca- that could happen, and I might regret it if I don't try it. So you do ask yourself, what's the worst thing that could happen? Yes. And that's kind of a key for your why not now formula? That's very important. It's a no. really, really good kind of filter and check, like checking yourself, right? Yes. And as I've gotten older, I am not so worried about what other people are going to think of me. Mm-hmm. If I would like to try something, I'll give it my best shot. And I don't worry so much about, oh, I'm not doing it just right or anything like that. I think as you get older, you get a little bit of that confidence to like, why not? Why not? Exactly. So your third moment, your why not now that I think I know, I know what you're going to say, but tell me about this, this other why not now. Another why not now was starting my own business eight years ago. We have been very blessed with the property that we were able to get as far as being, we have a beautiful red rock wall in our backyard with a creek. And it is a perfect setting for weddings and events. We had the opportunity about eight years ago to think about doing this, your dad and I. And along with a lot of encouragement from you, 
we decided, why not now? And it was very challenging getting the license and going through the hoops to get the permission to -hmm. do this. But I look back on all that now, and I am quite proud. (laughs) You should be. So you, what was the moment that you really thought, okay, I'm going to give this a go? I think I knew that the dentist that I was working for at the time was getting very near to retirement. We had had a, a few weddings out there prior that were friends, and they went really well, and it was fun. I really enjoyed um, providing a, a beautiful spot for people on their special days. It was very rewarding, and I enjoyed all the the getting ready and greeting the people and just so you kind milling of had a about. test drive. Yes, you were able to kind of test drive it. Yes, without even thinking about you know having it as a business. And you were what? So this was eight years ago. So you were in your fifties. Yes, and had never had a, another company before. Had never thought about starting your own business. No. And you did it, and you just decided, why not now? Why not try it? That's so cool. I remember when you had to go to the county commissioner's office to get the zoning or whatever changed for the property so you could have a business in a residential area or whatever. Correct. And it was it was daunting, wasn't it? It was daunting, and I had to get up and speak in front of a lot of people, including the commissioners, and we had several hurdles that we had to get through before we would we were actually allowed to start the business. Um, one of them was the, we had a few neighbors that were a little bit concerned. And so we, I thought about, okay, we need to keep them happy and make sure that they understand that it's not going to be like a Woodstock. <laughs> There have been a few out there that have gotten a little rowdy, huh? A few. <laughs> so you have this big, and what's the mass? First of all, let's plug Copper Canyon Lodge. So if you're in the Black Hills of South Dakota, check out Copper Canyon Lodge. And you can find them on Facebook or it, is it coppercanyonlodgesd.com? For SD. my website. Yes. Yep, for South Dakota. And they've lodging as well as wedding venue. Beautiful, beautiful scenery. So yeah, I I remember us hiking. I think we were on a hike and I had just started my own company and I was like, well, you should too. Like everybody's doing it. (laughs) I remember that day very well. And you were so encouraging and you were very, uh, I think, inspired by you yourself starting your own business and it was just a really good conversation, and I, I distinctly remember that day. That's cool. Hiking with you. I love it. So one other thing, a couple other things I was thinking maybe we could chat about. Um, so the, there's recently been all these hurricanes, and people have you know, had their homes damaged. If not, they've lost like everything in their home. And I think about when you and Dad had your fire, your house fire, and lost everything. So I was in college, but you guys had a fire in the middle of the night, right? Can you talk a little bit about the the experience and process and what it was like to start from scratch? So many people are in that situation right now. 
That was back in 1999, and we got out of the house with our pets and our bathrobes. And one of the things that I distinctly remember about that time was how gracious and welcoming our neighbor was across, that lived across the street. She and her husband, we moved in with them, basically, with our two dogs and a cat and stayed with them while we started putting our lives back together. And I look back on how gracious they were, and I hope that these people that are being displaced or have been displaced recently, I hope they have wonderful family and friends that are are being so supportive and give them some hope. Um, I remember our friends showing up at the neighbors with duffel bags full of clothes and pet food and water dishes, per a purse for me. I had no purse. Well, you didn't uh, have any ID, right? You didn't have none. a driver's license, so you had your bathrobes. We had our bathrobes and our pets, and your pets, and that was it. And that was all, and no vehicle. All our we lost all our vehicles as well. When you literally have nothing in terms of material things. Did you feel like you lost your identity at all? Do you know, I don't remember feeling like I lost my identity. I remember getting out a legal pad, borrowing a legal pad from the neighbor, and just starting a list. A legal pad of paper? A legal pad of paper. Trying to remember what was in there for like insurance purposes. Correct. And also prioritizing what we needed to do as far as finding another place to live, getting new social security cards, driver's license. Buying a toothbrush. Buying a toothbrush. Everything. You know, a a comb. Yeah. And, And I remember, so that night I was going, I was attending ASU in Tempe, Arizona, and it was the weirdest thing because... I had tried to go to sleep, and I couldn't sleep, so I went to the gym. And this was like at midnight. And this is back when I had a Walkman. I remember having a Walkman (laughs) with a recorded tape. And I went and I ran on the treadmill at my apartment complex for miles and miles. I just had all of this energy. It wasn't necessarily positive or negative. It was just I couldn't sleep. And that's when all of this was going on. It's so weird. It kind of gives me chills even thinking about it. But it's weird how that, you know, people talk about just how you can sense something's off. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that was the case or coincidence or whatever. But I, I had re- never had a night like that before. I remember you telling me that. Another thing that I do remember is in my own way, I was trying to get back to a normal And one of those ways, evidently, was I had a dental appointment the day after the fire. And one of the first things that I did at 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning after we had been up all night, I called the dental office and left a message that I wouldn't be able to attend my appointment. (laughs) And the only thing I could figure out was just trying to make some order and structure and and some structure out of 
our lives at that point. It's interesting how quickly things did seem to get back to normal. Like you guys just, I know that we, my brother and I, Justin, weren't there the whole time because we were in college. But coming to visit and like you just, you guys just plowed through. We did. Your dad wasn't very happy with me that Christmas <laughs> because he, I insisted that we get a Christmas tree for our little rental house. <laughs> and I also asked if we could please have a few lights outside. <laughs> I wanted something normal. I mean, it was Christmas time. We do a tree every year. We do lights. You and your brother were coming home for Christmas. And I wanted everything mm-hmm. to be festive, just mm-hmm. like before, even if it was at a rental. Exactly. And just to clarify, you weren't asking for permission for the lights outside, right? You were just asking if he would help you put them up. Correct. <laughs> okay. Make sure we got that right. Um, hi, Dad, by the way. Hi, okay. honey. So you recently listened to the Dan Reynolds podcast. Yes. And I was really moved when I got your text about it after you listened. What he, did you think about it? I was so impressed with him. He was so down to earth and so very easy to listen to. He talked on my level. It he was not, you know, throwing things out there that I didn't understand or, you know, a bunch of terms that I didn't didn't quite get. But it was very interesting to me because I had the opportunity to work with quite a few Mormon people during my working years. And so I could kind of relate to him on that that mm-hmm. level. And when you texted me, it was the cutest thing. You said, I well, Dan in his episode, he makes the point of he's a spotlighted Mormon, you know, as a, a rock star high profile person with the background and religion that he has, but he also has some points of view that may not be alongside or aligned with the Mormon religion. So he's able to actually be a voice for um, for other points of view. And, and it, it's so amazing that he's doing that, yet he still considers himself a unique Mormon. And so you had texted me and you said, I think I'm a unique Catholic. <laughs> I did. <laughs> what did you mean by that? I meant by that that there are some things with the Catholic Church that I don't line up with straight down the road. There are some things that I feel a little bit differently about, but I think that's okay because I think that my motives for going to church and, uh, number one, I love the congregation and the people, and it's very comforting. I wasn't raised Catholic like your dad, so I'm a little bit different in a few of my beliefs, but that's okay. And I've realized that, and I like to, I really liked that term, unique. unique. I love that you shared that. I, I couldn't agree more, and I hope that this podcast allows people to kind of open their minds and think a little differently about, sometimes we, we try to position things as so black and white, and really they that's such a closed mind, and, and nothing is really black and white anymore. So it's so much more productive to add that uniqueness in there. Yes, absolutely. So absolutely. thank you for sharing that. 
Okay, so rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. You know what's coming because I you do. hear these. <laughs> okay, so what are you reading right now? I am reading a novel. It is a combination of mystery and romance. The author's <laughs> name is Nora Roberts. She's a well-known author, and I am kind of embarrassed, but I cannot remember the name of That's the book. Okay. That's okay. Do you have an all-time favorite book? Yes, I do. Misty of Chincoteague. It's about a horse, <laughs> and she, this horse lived on Chincoteague Island, which is a real place. Cool. What keeps you up at night? Do you know, these days I really don't have a lot of things that keep me up. I really don't. Um, and that's that's good to say. That's I'm really blessed that way. Um, a lot of times, if I'm still awake at night, I will be remind myself of all the things I am so thankful for and how blessed I am. Awesome. Smart. Very smart. Gratitude is a strategy, in my opinion. <laughs> Very important, yes. Yes. And pirates or ninjas, who's tougher? I think the ninjas. I see so much about ninjas anymore. And when <laughs> I think about pirates, I think of Jake the pirate, and he's just kind of a happy little guy. And I don't know that he would really be able to be real destructive, but some of these ninja people are kind of scary. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. And what advice would you give your younger self? I am going to be very, very honest here. One of the first things I would tell my younger self is not to smoke cigarettes. Because you did when you were younger. Many years. Yeah. Many years. And into your adult life, but you quit, right? So that's actually, that's the first time I've had someone share kind of a a more tangible vice like that. But it's a good point. The second thing, too, would probably be when I was partying or celebrating <laughs> certain things, maybe to keep it at a little bit of a lower level. Were you a bit of a partier, Mom? I was. You were? Yes, I was, Amy Jo. I've heard stories. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe not turn it up so much? Correct. More of a um, moderation type thing. <laughs> <sighs> oh, well, this has been fun. Thank you for joining me. You are so welcome, honey. I love all your Why Not Now guests, and I am so very, very proud of you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the show. Hit me up on social media to let me know what you think. I'm at Amy Jo Martin on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And I want to hear your why not now moments so I can share them on the show. Just send me a note to why not now at amyjomartin.com. For show notes and other offers, you can visit amyjomartin.com forward slash why not now. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for my email newsletter for exclusive content and announcements. A big thanks to Rock Salt Music for all of the tunes by the talented John Coggins. And of course, a hat tip to Richard Gruer for editing and producing the show. 
I'll see you next time. And until then, why not now? Thank you.